This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome Kaylee Summers, founder of the Birth Trauma Mama, to the show. Kaylee is a licensed social worker who specializes in perinatal trauma and has specific training in things like EMDR and really evidence-based treatments in supporting people through traumatic experiences. I've invited Kaylee on the show this week to help us understand how trauma can play a role in our deciding whether or not to have another baby. Today's episode is part one of a two-part conversation where next week we'll address if you are already pregnant and you've gone through trauma and you're kind of freaking out about what your experience will be like. We'll get to that and some of the practical skills and ways to start to prepare in part two next week's episode. Now, I did a show on episode 157 on how to decide whether or not to have another baby. And boy, oh boy, did that show resonate. And as a result, I've planned many branch off episodes based on the questions that you've all submitted in DMs and in emails. I really appreciate your feedback on the topics that you want to hear about. And I've planned many of the upcoming episodes according to that. One of the major things that came up was sometimes people have a traumatic birth and they want to rewrite their story. They want to have a different experience and sort of claim back what they feel like they've lost. At other times, they feel that they want to avoid and maybe now, you know what, I wanted a whole bunch of children and now I just want one because I never want to go through that experience again. Sometimes it's not us that experiences the trauma, but it's our partner who's been witness to the things that we've gone through, even though we were maybe put under or in surgery or something along those lines. I know the minutes upon minutes upon hours that many of my clients and many of you put into thinking about this choice. Granted, if it is a choice, sometimes I understand that there is no choice involved, but I have seen this really torment and preoccupy people's brains on what to do in this situation. So my conversation with Kaylee today will really help us understand how trauma plays into our decision-making and also how to know if the decision that we're making is being values-led or if it's being trauma-led. And there is truly a difference. This is a really applicable episode, whether you've been through birth trauma or postpartum trauma or not, because many of us have wounds or have traumas that drive our decision-making or drive the values or the vows that we make to ourselves that we never want to do this thing like so-and-so did. And so understanding decision-making from our hurt and our pain can really truly benefit all of us. This is a really valuable conversation with Kaylee. Let's get to this week's episode. The postpartum period is a major transition in your life. Overnight, you went from being able to care for yourself to having a little baby rely on you for every need. Sleep deprivation, crying, uncertainty in your parenting choices, these can all take a toll on your mental health. While baby blues are normal and will resolve on their own in a few weeks, many moms suffer from more. If you find yourself irritable, depressed, anxious, experiencing loss of interest in the things you used to enjoy, or simply feeling unlike yourself, you could be experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety. It might be time to seek help. 
Our qualified maternal mental health specialists are here to support moms across Canada and the United States. You shouldn't have to cope alone. Our mom counselors and postpartum therapists are ready to support you. Find out if we serve your area and book a free 15-minute virtual consultation at momwell.com booking. That's momwell.com booking. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Kaylee, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I came across your page, which is so interesting in the niche that it serves. I remember wanting to do a birth trauma episode a couple of years ago when I first started the podcast, and I was scanning at that time, and it felt really hard to find somebody like your platform. So I'm so excited that you're here to chat with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. And you're right. It it is a very niche field, and I feel like, thankfully, it's starting to gain a lot of traction and a lot of others in the community, which is awesome. Yeah. I'm curious how your platform came about and I find that there's always a story here that leads us to these passion projects or these platforms that grow. I'm curious how it was born. Yeah. So about three and a half years ago, I was pregnant with my son and I had a catastrophic birth complication. Um, I had an amniotic fluid embolism. It's thankfully very rare, but it is unpreventable, unpredictable, and often fatal as well. So after spending some time recovering from that in the ICU, I was on ECMO. I was intubated. I didn't get to meet my son for five days. It was a really both physically and emotionally taxing Mm. event. And it has changed the course of my life 110%. And so once I was home from that, as a therapist myself, I kind of assumed, okay, this might be a little bit difficult, but we got past the hard part. I survived Mm. the thing I wasn't supposed to survive. So Everyone keeps telling me that I'm a miracle, I should be so grateful, and I get to be a mom, and I wasn't really supposed to, given what had happened. And so I thought I was going to kind of fly off into the sunset with my family and just be happily ever after. And that dream sort of came crashing down when I got home and ran into the emotional aspect of birth trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point, like you had said when you had looked around, I had looked around for ever trying to find communities and support outside of the therapy that I was in. Mm -hmm. And I came up short every time. I had the wonderful Amniotic Fluid Embolism Foundation, but they're obviously very focused on AFE, which is great for the medical and support side of things. But I was looking for something more general. 
on the birth trauma side and what it means to have a day that was supposed to be one of the best days of your life turn into one of the worst and how to let those feelings coexist. So about six months later is when I when I finally decided to start an Instagram page to, to really start talking about my experience and these things. It's so interesting to me that the response from others is, you should be so grateful. I never thought about that, right? Like you're coming home having just experienced the most complicated and intense thing in your life. And you're supposed to, you know, look on the bright side or be positive or happy about it. That's pretty, I think, like telling of how, I don't know, how we're met with things in motherhood at times. Like not even a man, that must have been really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was in a unique situation where I did have a very physically dramatic, we'll say, presentation of my birth trauma. And birth trauma happens on this massive spectrum. It's not just maternal near misses. There's lots of different reasons that birth trauma can happen. And so even for someone who had this very stark representation of a catastrophic complication, there were people who were like, at least the baby's healthy. Yeah. At least you survived. And so you, when you have feelings of anger and sadness about what happened to you, immediately feel like you can't have those feelings because you can only be grateful and only value the fact that you got to be healthy. Right. And you can be in both of those feelings. You can be intensely grateful and thankful that everyone is healthy and also devastated at what has gone on, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That is such a huge part of the community and what we talk about, about birth trauma. Yeah. You touched on something that I think would be helpful for us to uh, spend a little time on before jumping into like what happens if we're deciding again and and these pieces yeah. is how we would even define birth trauma. Because I've worked with a lot of clients who will say things like, you know, my experience was not as bad as so-and-so's, or it wasn't, you know, this significant or this awful. And and I think that we struggle to wrap our mind around what this can really look like, whether it's in pregnancy, birth, postpartum. So yeah, you said there's a spectrum there. Yeah. There is definitely a spectrum, and I think you bring up a good point that it can happen. First of all, it it can be reproductive trauma, it can be pregnancy trauma, it can be birth trauma, and it can be postpartum trauma. Perinatal or reproductive trauma is definitely a better catchphrase Mm. to fit the Mm catch-all, but birth trauma has really finally, I think, picked up steam, so we often talk about it in terms of birth trauma, although it includes all of those others. And when we talk about trauma, trauma is anything that overwhelms your body's ability, your nervous system's ability to cope. And that's going to look different for everyone. And that's why trauma is so subjective because you can have, sure, a catastrophic complication. That's, of course, going to increase your risk of feeling traumatized. But it can also be the treatment that you were given during birth. And I think a large part of my community has been traumatized by the treatment that they've received, whether it was a lack of informed consent whether it was abusive care, whether it was obstetric violence, mm-hmm. um, whether they just felt unsafe in that environment, whether it was physically unsafe, emotionally unsafe, all of those things, especially when we're in a very vulnerable state of being pregnant, or giving birth, or being postpartum, that can lend itself to feeling traumatized. And it's less about the event that happens. While the event, of course, is so important to us and our story, When it comes to trauma, it's less about the event that happens and more about the way that our brain encodes that event. 
the way that that is turned into a memory is what creates the trauma and what makes the trauma response after the fact. So what makes the memory in the sense of like, I felt powerless, like the feeling we associate in that moment, would you say, or the narrative that we've put to like the meaning we've put to that experience? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It has a lot to do with the meaning that we put to that experience and also the way that it was encoded, sort of this fragmented, overwhelmed sense that happens within our brain and our central nervous system. So our brain kind of goes offline, right? And so it doesn't encode memories like we encode normal memories, like a Mm -hmm. beautiful beach day with our family, right? It encodes it in fragments, in senses. And that's why so many people who have traumatic memories, it's in blips of images and sights and sounds and smells even. The smell of hand sanitizer is a big one for those who have experienced birth trauma because our brain is encoding that with that traumatic feeling and that overwhelmed nervous system. Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I like the broadening of the, like the perinatal or reproductive mm-hmm. because we talk a lot here about like medical gaslighting of women going mm. through the medical system or trauma at the hands of providers and things like that. But I feel like it really, like if we're looking at it from reproductive or perinatal, it really is sort of all encompassing to those pieces, like being misdiagnosed for years and years and finding out you have endometriosis or like overlooked in those ways. And And I feel like all of those experiences can go under that umbrella. Absolutely. Yeah. And another one I feel like I hear from clients and moms a lot, and I just want to throw this out there for anybody who might feel this way, is it actually wasn't a physical event. It's like the darkness of the postpartum period being so gut-wrenchingly difficult and painful for whatever reasons that it's like wanting to avoid or there's so like just a such a strong reaction to how that experience went and when I hear it described in certain ways from clients like that sounds like trauma to me as well yeah yeah I've talked about that a few times on my podcast with others who have gone through some pretty significant postpartum anxiety and depression and postpartum OCD and having sort of a trauma response to ever having to go through that again or ever putting themselves in a situation where they may be experiencing those feelings and that darkness exactly like you described again. Yeah. Okay. So that's really helpful to put it sort of on this continuum and understand what it is we're talking about. It's not those big T traumas like we think car crashes and, you know, doomsday stuff. It can be a whole array of things. And I recently did a podcast episode on how to decide whether to add another child to your family. I don't know what it was about this episode. I got hundreds of messages and it just kind of went bananas because I think it's so common to our everyday experience to have these conversations with our partner and chew on it and try and figure it out. And one that came up was we had talked in that episode about sometimes when we've had a traumatic experience with a labor delivery postpartum, sometimes we want a bit of a do-over. And someone had written in and said, actually, I had the opposite experience where I wanted to avoid. I actually, in my mind, wanted, let's say, two children. Uh, But because of that experience, I'm like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it will be interesting for us to get into today, like, how does this impact our decision-making around having another child? Because I'm sure, obviously, it must, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a great question. And the first caveat I want to make just living within my community and having my own experience is that there is a large subset of those who physically cannot have any more children after birth trauma. So I just want to make that caveat that sometimes that choice is taken away and that grief is really hard after birth trauma, after maternal near miss. And so sometimes that is not up to us and that decision being taken away deserves that space and that grief as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes there is no choice and that is loss and grief for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And then sort of moving into a lot of people feel like birth trauma emotionally took their choice away to have another kid. And that leads us Mm. into this conversation of what does it look like after you experience a traumatic birth and then deciding whether you want to have another kid. And I think the do-over point that you brought up is such an important one. Mm -hmm. I can speak from personal experience and then more sort of as a therapist, but um, so I did require an emergency hysterectomy, so I cannot carry any more of my own children. However, like two months out from this horrific event, devastating event, I was in the reproductive endocrinologist's office. We were talking about surrogacy. I was fixing everything that had happened to me. Right by going through surrogacy. And surrogacy is a wonderful choice for many people, but I was using it 1000% as a do-over for Mm. my experience, as a way to make up for the things that I didn't get to have. And so I was able to do some great therapy and and recenter myself and figure out where I was at in my life and why I was doing that. And I think that's such a common reaction Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. doing that, or like you said, the other way, which is, is more of an avoidance. And so To speak to the do-over piece, I think it's dangerous. Um, I think it's the normal human reaction. I went through it. I was all about it. And I could have ended up going through surrogacy in that way had other things not stopped me. But the danger in that is that we don't know what that next birth experience will look like. Right. And so the risk is, of course, having another traumatic birth. And outside of that... What I have heard from many, many, many members of my community who have gone on to have subsequent children after their traumatic birth is they were shocked when they had a beautiful, healthy, quote-unquote normal, uncomplicated birthing experience, how much they were punched in the gut with grief at all they had missed out on with their previous birth. Oh, I can see that as you're describing it. It's like when you see how it could have been from a different vantage point. Yes. It must be gut-wrenching, right? Like, yeah. and then you grieve all over again, maybe moments that were lost, you know, milestones, like all the things. Yes, absolutely. And to that point, it doesn't mean, and I, I want to be careful about the way we talk about this because it's such a nuanced topic, of course, and it doesn't mean that a subsequent birth cannot be healing. It can, but when we use it for that that's when we get into some risk around our expectations for what a subsequent birth can do related to our traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Because it won't make up for that and it won't erase that. We know that because that's just not how trauma works. And so being very aware of that as you go into deciding about having a subsequent birth, a subsequent child or not is really important for just perspective and trying to figure out why why you're you're making the decision to have another kid or not. Yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on how somebody could help distinguish the difference because I think our brain is really mm. good 
that's really good at, (laughs) you know, convincing us that our motives are altruistic or whatever. So how might somebody know if that's the function of their wanting to try again? Yeah. So I do think it takes a lot of reflection. I do really recommend therapeutic support, whether individually or as a couple, for talking through this decision. Because I do think having someone to reflect back what they're seeing as you talk about it and reflect back some questions and some insight around this decision can be helpful. But if we're sort of using our insight and trying to figure out the motives per se for this decision, I think really asking yourself, what's my goal? And it can be really hard to distinguish the fact that, of course, you're going to want a different experience. Mm -hmm. Like, no one's going to get to the point where they're like, I'm totally okay if I have another traumatic birth. Like, that's not the goal. That's an unrealistic goal. No one is okay with having a traumatic birth. That is not what we are saying. But to know, and and this is something we're going to get to, but to know... I know I will be okay with the supports that I have in place, with the things that I can do. I know that if I do end up having another traumatic birth, that I will make it through. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's another side to that. And so I think that's one piece of it, knowing that you sort of have those supports in place and having the confidence to know that you would make it to the other side and sort of trusting yourself. And then really looking at like, what would my life look like if I didn't have another child? Like really considering what would my life look like Am I trying to fill a hole Mm -hmm. for my grief? Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. 
Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. I find it an interesting balance or line to walk because I'm not a trauma specialist. I have trauma specialists Mm -hmm. on my team, but it is not my niche for sure. And when we have conversations about being able to rewrite a more uh, Mm -hmm. empowered narrative about our story, it makes so much sense that the first place we go to is, well, let me do this again and do it more powerfully or more whatever, control what I can. And like, so how we get there makes so much sense. I'm curious how we might be able to separate the two maybe and rewrite that experience in a different way that doesn't require a do-over. Yeah. And I think the difference is rewriting the experience that happened rather than looking forward and trying to rewrite a different experience through a different experience because they are Mm. different experiences and they will never be the same. And your traumatic birth will always exist and you will always grieve that. And so, again, rewriting your traumatic experience and making that empowering and making that to the best of your ability. I wane a little bit on some toxic positivity around making this like, you know, the best thing that ever happened to you. That's not the goal. Right. But viewing it as how you survived it and how you got out of it. And that doesn't take away the grief, but rewriting that narrative of how you made it through rather than, you know, only being the awful thing that happened to you. Mm -hmm. So I think the focus on rewriting that narrative rather than rewriting it as a future birth that is going to change, somehow change your narrative on the back end. It's a really great distinction because you're saying that they are different experiences. And so it feels like a little bit of a dupe where like, I would think that this would rewrite the story. I get it and it doesn't. And I'm like, you know, disappointed or... Yeah. And I also think it's interesting to note, as we talk about this, we're talking about like best case scenario. We're talking about really healing yourself to the point where you feel like you're able to make a more clear-headed decision. And sometimes people get pregnant by accident way sooner than they mean to. And you will be okay. Like we are resilient and we can put the things into place and we can support ourselves. And if we are traumatized again, we can still get through that. So I want to be clear about that too. It's not like, oh my gosh, if you're not ready to get pregnant, you're going to ruin your life with this, right? There are supports into place and we can 
we can get the therapy and the treatment that we need while pregnant. Um, I have actually have a, a lot of pregnant clients who have had a previous traumatic birth who are trying to prepare and process through some of that trauma before they give birth again. Yeah, I think that's going to be a big part of our next episode in this series because I've actually had a lot of clients who have maybe been in this contemplation stage and, you know, been wondering or kept the option open potentially, but hadn't really concretely made a decision and then turned up sort of unexpectedly pregnant. And then we're we're sort of thrown in the whirlwind of yeah. getting our feet underneath us, right? Because yeah. we want to feel prepared or we want to feel like empowered or strong versus like sort of at the mercy of this experience. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, and for those who are listening, who maybe that has been your experience, we'll definitely get to yes. some skills and some <laughs> things to how to handle that because for sure that happens. That definitely happens. Yeah. I mean, the majority of my pregnancies were unexpected pregnancies. Um, so <laughs> definitely yeah, you happens. understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. No, this is really, really interesting. So yeah, like this is really coming from the perspective of like being in this indecisive state with your partner or solo or however, and thinking about, should I give away the tubs of baby clothes in the basement or should I not? Like, should I accept the perception, you know, or the picture of my family as it is? Or should I hold on to this ideal that I have? And so when we're coming from that, like really being in this decision-making mode, you know, we are more consciously weighing, but then sometimes life just <laughs> sneaks up on us in all kinds of Happens. different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've talked about the wanting to rewrite. How about, let's unpack this wanting to like sort of repel or push away. Like I wanted a massive family and now, no, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would say this is almost more common in my community because it's a trauma response, right? Avoidance. Yeah. Your brain is really just trying to protect you. And sometimes it overprotects. But your brain is like, we are never going back to a situation where this could ever possibly happen again. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing the birth thing again. That's what our brain is saying. Like, don't even think about it because that's putting us back in the same exact situation to get traumatized again. That doesn't make sense. Why would we do that? Right. But obviously your brain's not saying this calmly and eloquently. It's just saying like, red alert, red alert, don't go near that. Yeah. And so we have that trauma response or that reaction to the idea of becoming pregnant and giving birth again. And this will look different depending on what your trauma looks like. If it happened in pregnancy, if it happened in birth, similar, but of course, different experiences. And so for that, I definitely think like the trauma needs to be treated, right? Like mm -hmm. we know that we can treat trauma very successfully, actually. We know that we can treat trauma symptoms and that we can mitigate those symptoms. That doesn't mean that you won't fear birth, mm -hmm. right? Like that is a normal reaction to being someone whose innocence and naivety around birth has been taken away. Right. Once that door gets opened, once you realize that bad things can happen, whether it's emotionally or physically, you can't unpull the curtain back, right? Yeah, yeah, you can't unsee. Yeah. You can't unsee it. And mm -hmm. so I have a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm so mad that I, I can't get over this fear of birth. Like, no, that's normal. Trauma response is different. Yeah. That heightened arousal is different. But fear of birth, anxiety over going back into the situation is normal. And so, again, it's figuring out how much is too much for you. Mm. If you're still in a point where you feel very either hyper or hypo aroused due to trauma symptoms, if you're dissociating or, again, feeling more of that 
anxious energy. Like hypervigilance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Then we are going to be concerned and and looking more at, at treating the trauma still. But there will always be fear now that you've been through this process and it hasn't gone well. And I think normalizing that and getting support for that and knowing that that's okay, like accepting that. Because I think there are a lot, unfortunately, and they have a place and they can be wonderful, but there are so many sort of classes or things that are like, don't fear birth. That's what causes complications. Don't have a fear of birth. If you have a fear of birth, X, Y, and Z will happen. Go in empowered. And like, that is great. And I'm all for that, except for it's not always possible or logical for our brains when we've experienced trauma or even for normal people who haven't experienced trauma. Right, right. Totally. The idea of like the right mindset will control the amount of pain you feel or like certain things that even I've heard or seen where it's like, I don't know. I mean, we tend to default to ourselves and blame ourselves in traumatic situations, generally speaking. But if we're going in with a mindset of like, that much more of I can control the outcomes of all the things here, yes. then that much more we would blame ourselves. Exactly, exactly. So I think for this, it's really important for people to recognize that they're going to have a lot of feelings about birth. And it's not so much about making those feelings go away mm-hmm. because that's a really hard to ask and that's a really difficult expectation. It's more about figuring out how to cope with those feelings around the birth and what that means. And both choices are valid. Mm -hmm. Again, I have a lot of people in my community who physically are able to have more children. It could be risky, but they're allowed to via their doctor and have decided not to because they don't want to take that risk. And it's scary. Mm -hmm. And so for them being one and done makes sense. And that's a valid choice. Yeah, And it's also a valid choice to figure out a way to navigate towards having another child if that's what you want. It's really hopeful to hear and to know that trauma can really effectively be treated. Yes. That, you know, hypervigilant turned all the way on feeling or that really checked out kind of numb and disengaged feeling. Like, that there are effective modalities to treat that. Yes. And I think that it comes back to a piece of the conversation before about deciding is that like, we don't necessarily need to decide right now. No. Maybe we park it for a year or two and say, I'm going to commit myself to trying to process through this trauma. And then once I've cleared my perspective a little bit or have some more skills or whatever the case then maybe I'll be in a different place to be able to make a decision. But right now, I'm okay with just focusing on this this part of time, you know? Yeah. I like to say leaning into the no for now. Yeah. And then seeing where things go. Yeah. So for those who are listening and they're like, oh, shit, I have so much trauma to work through (laughs) and I've not done it. And whether I want another baby or not, you know, I want to get a grasp on this. What might be some of their first steps or where would they start? Yeah, I would definitely say starting with therapy. We know that there are several different modalities that can treat trauma effectively. EMDR, somatic experiencing therapy, brain spotting. There are so many different options. I feel pretty strongly about trying your best, and I know this is hard, to find a therapist who specializes in both perinatal mental health and trauma. Mm -hmm. Again, that's a big ask and not always possible given finances or given geographical location, but I have found that 
people have the most success because we often see people who understand trauma, but for some reason, perinatal trauma doesn't click. Right. <laughs> There's like this, the, the lack of knowledge around that is really harmful in the therapeutic relationship with validating trauma and really getting what the person is experiencing. So again, just from my own clinical experience and meeting with clients, I've seen that to be one of the most important things for treating perinatal trauma. Yeah. In our rebrand and relaunch to Mama, we actually expanded into the states and we're in 25 states and counting and have perinatal specialists who you know, our OCD intrusive thoughts sort of niched or trauma niched. So a great place to start. Or if resources aren't there, Postpartum Support International, there are some places to look and find a therapist. Like one last question on this topic before we close up this chat is, I don't know, there's something here about making decisions out of our trauma versus our like being on the other side, you know, because we're talking about Maybe we park it. Maybe we don't make that decision right now. And this is coming in my mind from something that I often will tell clients is like, usually we don't make life-changing decisions in the crux or like the postpartum period, like at the height of the situation. And I feel like a lot of times I see decisions being like trauma-fueled sometimes. Yeah. I'm just curious, would you say that that happens? And I guess that's sort of what we talked about at the beginning, yeah. kind of trying to understand our motives, right? Yeah, I, I see it happen a lot. And just like my example of when I was like full steam ahead, no one is stopping me. Even my husband was like, I don't want to have another kid right now. Right. I was like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to bulldoze everyone because this has to happen because then I can make my situation like untrue. The fact that I can't mm. have any more kids will no longer exist and that will fix everything clearly a trauma response. Mm -hmm. And we see that a lot. Other people sort of planning to have more kids right away for that redo. And at the end of the day, we obviously want to be our most healed selves in order to make these decisions. We want to be in a spot that we are making decisions for reasons that are best for us and our family and not out of trauma. Yeah. And just like we talked about, sometimes it happens. Yeah. You can get treatment and you can be okay and you can make it through. So if you're listening to this and you're pregnant and you're like, oh my God, I'm actually really traumatized by my birth and I haven't dealt with it, don't panic. Yeah. Follow us to episode two. We'll tell you it's okay. We're okay. We'll see you through. Yeah. And I think that for any of those who are listening and are like, ah, I've been like frantically obsessing about this decision or whether what to do and whatever, like permission to just hit pause. Yeah. Just hit pause. And do some of that, like seek out some of that processing and that therapy. And then on pause, resume conversation, resume, you know, obviously also with an asterisk, acknowledging that there is a lot that has to, you know, line up in order for that to all play out sort of in the times that we hope. And there are a lot of variables at play there for people. But yeah, but if you do have the opportunity to pause and process, definitely take that time. And for those who are pregnant and <laughs> have had a traumatic experience, we'll see you over in part two of this conversation. Where can everyone find you, your podcast, learn more from you? Yeah, my Instagram handle is at the birth trauma underscore mama. I'm also on TikTok at that same handle. And my website is thebirthtraumamama.com. And 
My podcast is on anywhere you listen to podcasts, the Birth Trauma Mama podcast. Thank you so much. We'll link all of that in the show notes so it's easy to find for people. Thank you so much. Like so looking forward to the next part of this chat. So thanks so much for today. Me too. Thanks so much, Erica. Kaylee brings so much knowledge and expertise to this conversation. I've appreciated her perspective on values sort of versus pain in terms of decision-making. And this is just the first half of our conversation. Maybe some of you felt like you were ready and you made this decision already, or maybe some of you found yourselves pregnant and now you've got to get some coping skills under your belt because you're staring down the barrel at a really scary situation. Or maybe you have pain or wounds from other areas in life that you feel like align with this trauma conversation and you want to learn more about practically how to prepare or handle those situations. Those are the discussions that happen in next week's episode. And I encourage you to come on back for part two. You don't want to miss it. In the meantime, if this has really opened your eyes to the fact that you have some processing to do, some healing to do, We do have trauma specialists on our MomWell team that can help you to make this decision or to process through pain or to prepare for labor or delivery, whatever your need truly is. We've got someone on our team that can help to serve you. To learn more, head to momwell.com and book your free 15-minute consultation. That's momwell.com. As mentioned before, I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where Kaylee is joining us for a part two on how to prepare for either delivery or postpartum when you've had a previous traumatic experience. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center. To join the MomWell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? Because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, for the girls who want more. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.